0: This this is Brock and Saul. Brock Heward and Mark Matt Marcus. Sorry about just Mike, a, Mike. Presented by
1: Carter, Volkswagen, and ballard On Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airline Studio. Where's like the puff dudes at? Have- now here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Saul.
0: <laughs> Would you trade the farm for Aaron Donald right now? Right now, today. Are you essentially a defensive lineman away from being a Super Bowl team, right? That's kind of what you're asking, right, Brock, when you ask this question? Yep. Would you trade the farm, and it's got to be at least a couple of picks, for an aging Aaron Donald, knowing that he's not going to be around long-term, he does have some injury concerns at this stage of his career, but that he is the best defensive lineman out there. And could be the difference between, I don't know, two win. I mean, he's a huge difference maker. Mm. Would you well, trade the farm right now for Aaron Donald? You said no. You said no, thank you.
1: I said no, thank you. And you know what? I'm going to lean back into Goldilocks. I love Goldilocks. I love that story. I'm going to lean lean back into that, that you are in a time and in a place, leadership-wise, where Geno has ascended, where these young bucks, you have them right Right at just this impressionable age, right? This, this rookie class paired with the sophomore class from last year where I, I think you are in an absolute sweet spot. And I, I I want those guys. I want, I want those guys kind of like the ringer article that Justin sent us last night, right? Just talking about, you know, the Nuggets team and and the way they're built and built to last, Mm -hmm. built to last. I I just – I don't love the Marlins. I don't love what the Rams did. I don't don't love that.
0: It's amazing seeing some of the – I mean, G walked in. I asked him the question. He was like, "Uh, yes, absolutely, 100%. That would be the thing that puts this team over the top. It makes them a Super Bowl contender.
1: Yep. Jalen Ramsey, by the way, (laughs) traded for a conditional third-round pick.
0: Okay. I think you'd have to give up more than that in order to get Aaron Donald just based on the position he plays and the fact that he's
1: within your division – but I, I don't know man like i <laughs> rams already paid him his 15 million in early march so they had to make a decision march 16th in the new, new league year roster bonus they paid him 15 million but can you take on some cash can you eat some of their cap you know that, that well, let me let me see what the people out there say
0: 8669793776 stevens in arizona good morning steven good morning um i i definitely wouldn't i mean especially coming off a year like last year where he was injured not only are you adding age and all that beat up on his body,
2: but he came out of last year injured, only had five sacks last year, five sacks. I mean, yep. he played 11 games, more than half the games, and he only had five sacks. Every year before that, he was double digits playing full, full, uh, the full season. So, yeah, I mean, if you're going after 2021, going after 2020, sure. But where he is now in his
1: career, I don't think it's worth it. It's, it's a risk management analysis. No, it's not it's not there's no benefit to it at this point. You'd be the Colton Wong, you'd be the AJ Pollock, you'd be one of these veteran guys that you know, you you're looking at the tread and wondering how much is there and you're trying to project we know Aaron Donald. I mean that that is the one thing. <laughs> I mean you know him as well as anybody, right? Uh-huh. I this mean, is not one of those guys that you trade for, like, I don't know if I really know Aaron <laughs> Donald. No, I I know Aaron Donald. Is he Donald. good? Is he not good? What <laughs> yeah. would he look
0: like in this building? Would he have any success uh, here? Jeez, I don't know. Yeah, you know him pretty well. Eight six six nine seven nine three seven seven six Mike's in Spokane. Hi, Mike. Hey, how you doing? Good.
2: Yeah, I definitely trade for him. Uh, <laughs> I think there's too much uh, too much potential there. At least anything even close to half of what he was the last, you know,
1: mm-hmm.
2: you know a couple of years or three years before last year before he got injured. Right. Uh, it's definitely worth the risk. It's worth the first. It's worth the second. Um, hopefully, he can play for a couple of years. But I would take the I take the swing off the top of it's your good. head.
0: How old is Aaron Donald? Just if you had to guess, I don't know if you guys looked this up. Do you know? Justin, off the top of your head, how old is Aaron Donald? Uh, 33. Maura? I,
1: oh. Off the top of your head? Uh, I was going to go 29. I know that he was in the 2014 draft class. I, I know that. So 2014, it's 2023. He's got to be 30, 31, 31. He's 32. I actually
0: thought he was older than that. If you had asked me, I think I would have said 35. It feels like he has just been around forever, and I would have said he's like getting towards mid-30s, and he's one of those ageless wonders. 32. It's right at that point where you're like... Uh, he could absolutely be going downhill, or there have yep. been a bunch of pass rushers and defensive lineman type guys Bobby's who've ish. had a lot of success mm-hmm. in those early to mid thirty years. Brock, mm-hmm. where you go, geez, I could, I could kind of see it. Yeah. I'll tell yeah. you what, when I first heard it, my instant reaction was flat. No, mm-hmm. I'm kind of coming around well, on the idea how a little old bit. Was uh, one of your starting defensive tackles last year? And now what's- Right, he was like thirty eight yeah. or something, right? I, and and how,
1: show- how old is Von Miller? Top of your head. He's older.
0: Is he really? Yeah, but he came out of oh, school don't spoil young. It. <laughs> oh, I would have guessed he was
1: younger. Mm-mm. Huh. He's 34. Yeah, yeah I, he I, he I'll tell you. In so, thinking about it? so here now, now, here's the reality, right? We know cash where, on hand. Where else are you going to find
0: yourself a defensive lineman? I mean, look, at the end of the day, the Seahawks have a gigantic need at this position. He's not the nose tackle, nose tackle that they no, need. Nope. But God, don't you find a way to make it work if it's Aaron Donald?
1: Yes. Now, it, to make this move, and I'm sure that the Brady Hendersons, if they're listening, are going, this is just ridiculous. Right. It's, it's not even happened. a real. enough don't even have cash on hand. Why are you guys doing this? Well, if you, you probably have to cut all. Okay. You'd have, to, you'd have to eat that dead cap. Where do I sign up for that? And you'd, pro- and you'd have to free up enough cap space. And, you know, so again, this would be an all in. Like, I would the, I mean, would you cut Jamal Adams to have Aaron Donald? Yes, of course you would, right? But it would. But it would put you further behind that holiday bill. You you would do this knowing that in a couple <sighs> years you're, now, going you're to of, come now you're kind of now you're kind of reminding me why I I know because said you no. you are uh, what what are you you are um, gosh morally liberal, fiscally conservative is that what it is? is that <laughs> I'm the not that, actually. No, you're not. I'm, I'm just liberal. Oh, okay. well. <laughs> But, but you do have some understanding of of, of finances and how it works. Ah. And you're spending. You do have some conservative nature to it. Ah. Yes. So you don't just spend flippantly. I know my buddy Me? Song. Yeah. yeah you, you know your dollars. And you know that in this case, you, this would be an, an all-in and that the bill would come due eventually. I
0: think the problem is the, – the, the real question you have to ask is are you, are you a player away? That's what you got to ask. Correct. Are you one player away from competing for a Super Bowl? And I guess as as much as I fancy the idea and why I could kind of go back and forth on it and say that there's a real conversation to be had here. Um, do I think the Seahawks are are an Aaron Donald away from a Super Bowl?
1: That'd be hard for me. Not a Super Bowl, winning a Super Bowl. The yeah. only way you do this is if you win a Super Bowl. That is why the Rams that'd went be, all in.
0: That. That'd be tough for me, man. They that are would be tough somewhere for me, between
1: saying. 12 and 14 in most power rankings. Is Aaron Donald going to make you top five? Is Aaron Donald all of a sudden right. against San Francisco and Philadelphia yeah, going to make tough you for me, man. legit? And then you know, and then on top of that, oh by the way, pro football focused. Do you see what they just graded your offensive line? I did see that. Yeah, that would be thirty out of thirty-two. Yeah,
0: I. I, It would be hard for me to say that Aaron Donald would be the thing that gets you over the top and makes you a Super Bowl winning team. So I guess you're right. The answer is probably no. But I could get myself excited about it. Like I could, I could see a moment where I was like, yeah, all
1: right. I could, Uh I could
0: kind of sell Uh this. Uh John in Normandy Park will remind me that that's a terrible idea.
1: Final word, John good morning fellas how are you guys great quick
2: quick thing now if our coach was if pete was in his 50s or late 40s like mcveigh i would say absolutely not but we all know his career is, you know before he hangs him up he needs another one he wants another one and i think not only does it fill in the, the major need on the team mm. it it'll also help him come closer to you know getting another ring and also the geno smith signing kind of helps you with that because your quarterback isn't eating up 40 plus million mm. in cap true huh? true now with that being said now, with that being said, I looked while you guys kind of started this conversation. I think
0: he's owed like $65 million over the next two years. That's it? So, <laughs> that's it. Yeah. We'll just rabbit my couch cushions and help, help. us. Yeah, <laughs> right. no, no, well, I, as we I, said I, at the I beginning, do- John, thanks for the phone call, man. We just were running a little late. Yeah. It, it, it probably doesn't actually work. Just, it, it, it like, it's not a fit. But it's a fun conversation. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I, I can be intrigued by the conversation, even if I don't know that it's going to
1: be in your ear the you know, rest I of the day. And Great. I know what he's, he's going to come in
0: tomorrow, tomorrow at 8.30. Oh, yeah. We're going to oh. get a whole thing on this. Uh. Great. Good for us. <laughs> this is what we have uh, to, to look forward to ahead of us. All right. Uh, we will speak to Jerry DePoto coming up in 20 minutes. After everything you need to know next, Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710 and seattlesports.com
1: need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk.
0: Here's what you need to know. Up first. Well, there are certainly games that are more frustrating than others, and I get it. When you don't play well, you don't deserve to win, and sometimes that'll make you mad. Last night... I thought the Mariners played pretty well. I thought they had a pretty good approach against a very good young pitcher, and I thought every single break seemed to just go away from them, from the number of balls that hung up out there and and were caught that looked like they were going to be home runs to ultimately what could have been the game-tying Grand Slam. And the 2-1 to Suarez. Swing and a fly ball deep to right field. Sanchez going back to the wall, leaps up, and he makes the catch. Yeah, that could have been better. That was that was a little frustrating. One of at least four that looked like it was gone off the bat. Throw in a couple of dinky hits for the Marlins, including a gigantic Baltimore chop, some atrocious umpiring behind the plate, and you end up with a 4-1 loss last night, Brock.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, baseball has a way of, of working itself out, and Scott has said this. I'm sure Jerry will echo it here in about 10 minutes when he joins us for his weekly Thursday segment that... You know, you got to do the right things. I always appreciate your response, Justin's response, Mora's response. Everybody's that I know is different responses around our market. And you know, Justin would tell you, you walk six guys, you throw wild pitches, like hard, hard to win baseball. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that and those things unfortunately happened. So much of this has been about the offense this season. That actually, when you play a pretty good defense, you'd love to, you'd love to see. I guess, frankly, it's this. They've thrown away a lot of games this year. They've given away a lot of the bats. They've given away games. This series, they did not. And they won this series. Would they have loved the sweep yesterday? Were those walks giveaways? I'm not going to quite go there. The Marlins took that one. Took it over the wall. Made plays in the outfield when they needed to. And a Marlins team that has only been swept one other time this season. You just saw it in their play last night. We're not going to get swept last night. And they didn't. Hmm. Here's the second thing. You need to. Yeah, know. we'll discuss
0: more with Jerry DePoto coming up here in about 10 minutes. Seahawks offseason program is officially in the books. Won't see him again until the end of July when they'll be uh, all systems go for training camp. But it was good. Good to see the vets sticking around. A little extra passing camp here with the rookies. Both quarterbacks were there. Ken Walker was there. Made a tremendous catch that was put out there on social media yesterday. It was nice to see this team taking it seriously and really kind of, as I wrote about at SeattleSports.com, in that sort of growth zone right now, Brock.
1: You love the voluntary phase of your program to not be voluntary for a lot of the guys for Summit is going to be you plan vacation certainly for the staff in the front office they are going to get a chance now to, to get away for the next two three weeks it's about their only slice of true vacation in an nfl calendar to get away from things but yeah to see will disley to see ken walker to see parkinson to see so many of those vets uh sticking around for for a week that was supposed to just be for the young guys and they can't get enough of it that's how this thing was built the first time man That's how it was built in 10, 11, 12. You didn't have to ask any of those guys to compete. You didn't have to ask any of them to stick around. They wanted to be around. They wanted to work. They wanted to compete. And this group has a lot of that same feeling.
0: Here's the third thing you need to know.
1: Well, with the uh, Stanley Cup now awarded,
0: it's time to start thinking about the NHL offseason. Another team in town looking to continue to get better coming off of a playoff performance. And, yeah, you got about two weeks, just under. Uh, The draft will be June 28th. Free agency starts right after that on July 1st. And the Kraken will have some decisions to make. Do you want to bring back Vince Dunn, Morgan Geeky, Will Borgen? All three are restricted free agents. Uh, I'm... Definitely in on done as a puck moving defenseman. I'm probably, I like Will Borgen's game a lot geeky, you know, sort of depends how you want to handle the rest of the off season, and then Susie and Donato are your two unrestricted guys. I'm probably not going to work nearly as hard on those, because I think you've got some young players that you got to give some space to. What are you going to do with Ty Cartier? What are you going to do with Shane Wright? What are you going to do with Riker Evans, who's also knocking on the door? I mean, I, I think those conversations, I'd need a little bit more info before I could give you a full answer.
1: From afar, over the last few years, it feels like the NHL off season moves fast. Mm-hmm. Free agency moves fast. It's not the NFL with the first wave, a second wave, a third wave. It starts here's a new league year, and all of a sudden, you know, six months later, players are still signing. Most of the free agent stuff, at least in years past and historically, has moved pretty quickly after the draft and once things get going. So I know that uh, it's become official now, but they've been doing their work since their season ended, and I'll be very curious how aggressive from the very top of yep. the organization. They are financially, trades, got a lot of draft capital. Should be a very intriguing offseason. Yeah, the they Kraken. also, though, they have, you know, yeah yes, agree
0: That is everything you need to know. We do a quarter past every hour here on uh, the Brock and Salk show. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't get too deep into the cracking offseason. But, you know, you, the one thing that's sort of out there is that you're going to get Andre Burakovsky back, who missed, you know, a good portion of the season, most of the second half of the year in the playoffs. He was the guy, and we had Ron Francis on a few weeks ago. He said, look, when Burakovsky was in there, the power play wasn't that bad. Mm-hmm. Is that enough? I I like Burakovsky. I don't know whether he's enough to make me say you don't need to go out and try to get a real scoring star. Oh. And I don't know whether you truly have the opportunity to do it. I guess a lot of it depends on what's going to happen in Toronto and how available some of their big names are. But if you have a chance to go get one of them, and I don't know which one it would be, and they're all different, so you can't just be like, yeah, I'll take whichever one you want, mm-hmm. but there are some pluses minuses to each of them, but between Matthews and Marner and uh, uh, Tavares and who am I missing? There's one other guy. I mean, like Nylander, they, they've got four dudes who would all help you in one you know way or nice? another.
1: Yeah, you know what is nice is you, you kind of asked D-Mac about this with the Nuggets and Are they And have they been a relevant organization in the NBA? And, you know, when Lisa Salters didn't watch a two-time MVP (laughs) for two years, I think there's a clear enough answer there. But this Kraken team is relevant. Their season, they became relevant. They put themselves on an NHL map. I don't know nationally. I don't know all of the fans in the NHL world if all of a sudden the Kraken are very, very real. But at least internally, and I am sure amongst those players and these free agents and trade partners – You became so much more relevant in a very quick twelve months.
0: Well, we'll uh, speak to Jerry Depoto here in just a moment. His team obviously made the playoffs last year, struggling to get it fully going this year. He was very honest, very transparent last week. We got a lot to get to with Jerry coming up next. Brock and Salt, Seattle Sports on seven ten and the Seattle Sports app. You are listening to Brock and Salt,
1: powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio, Seattle
0: Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Well, certainly this was a better week than the one that led up to our last conversation with Jerry. They honestly did. They played some pretty good baseball. Their approach was a whole lot better and a lot more positive stuff to take away. So with that in mind, let's bring in Jerry. The Jerry DePoto Show, presented by Seattle Pump and Equipment on Seattle Sports. Jerry, certainly a a better week, a much better approach, some good at-bats. What did you make of it all?
2: Yeah, again, I'd still prefer to win on Wednesdays, you know, it's a, it's a much more pleasant feeling, but uh, yeah, it, it has been, it's been a, it's a better week. I, and I think specifically a better week for our offense, you know, it started in San Diego and, you know, we have really strung together a nice run of uh, just quality at bats and taking good passes and meaningful swings and creating traffic and, and, And I, including last night, what was a weird and wonky game. I think we did a lot of good things offensively that probably will never show up in a box score, but we're, we're, we're
0: improving. We're getting better. So Scott mentioned the messaging had changed that, that they had a conversation and it it sort of turned into, you know, going back up the middle, et cetera, and trying to simplify that approach. Can you take us behind the scenes a little of that? Like how, how does that process work? How do you, or does Scott, who who works together to come up with the idea to change the messaging and then execute on that? How does it get transferred to the players? How do they accept it? What does that look like?
2: Boy, I guess the first thing I'd say is it, it's probably nothing super scientific or, or a real major departure from anything we've ever done before. It's just a slightly different tone of message and and that's what you have to do when with teams over the course of seasons is is you're trying to take the same philosophies the same premise and and deliver it in a different package and You know, in this case, it is a combination of we do biweekly check-ins on all the elements of our team. We have an offensive check-in that that exists every other week. And, you know, we sit down with our hitting coaches, our staff, our analysts, and you know, a couple of members of our front office, our high-performance team, our trainers, and we go through everything offense. You know, how our hitters are feeling, how they're moving, you know, who's struggling, trying to dig into why. From there, we go into you know a a meeting that exists the first day of each series with Scott, the staff, and you know our advanced scouting people and and a couple of scouting uh, I guess personnel, and and we go through what our outlook looks like for that three or four game set and. Uh, from there you'll have the, the messaging that starts to to develop in the daily hitters meeting when our hitters sit down with our coaches and and, and advanced scouting people to go through the opponents. So it's it's multiple layers. In this case, Scott simplified it. You know, rather than messaging through a channel of people, I think Scott just took it and said, Hey, let's just hit the ball back through the middle. Line drives back through the middle. And you know, and, and we'll see how long that message carries before it needs to be repackaged again, because it, it will. That's just how baseball works.
1: Well, the messaging that I heard pretty loud and clear from you last week when I asked you what was most perplexing of, of what's you know uh, happened offensively. And you said, without hesitation, the power outage, just the just the entirety of the group uh, cumulatively and just their, their power outage over the season started to see that power come on over the last week. From your opinion or from your eye and expertise, why?
2: Uh, We're showing it better pitches and we've, we've hit the ball hard. We've done good things. And, you know, over the course of the season, it just hasn't resulted in the, the type of power production that we're used to, or that we expect from this group. And some of it is, is, the natural flow of warmer days, warmer days, the ball does tend to travel better. And, you know, we saw that two days ago where we hit balls well and they left the ballpark. And, you know, yesterday a little less uh, of, a, of a, you know, that kind of normal June summer day. And we saw a couple of balls that that didn't quite get as far. But, uh, you know, that's one element of it. But mostly it's just swinging at better pitches. And, and I think we have the personnel to to do the things that we've done over the last week or that we you know forecast for this team to do over a long season and over 162 games that does tend to bear out. It's just bearing out in a, in, in a way that we would prefer it not. We'd like it to be more balanced instead of you know I guess condensed in small spaces, but uh, you know we've got a lot of season left and hopefully we can make that happen.
0: You mentioned last night being sort of a weird, wonky game and that you'd like to win on a Wednesday. We, we too, would prefer that. But how do you handle a game like I find a game like last night to be incredibly infuriating in some ways, maybe more so than a game where, you know, hey, you know, you get blown out. The pitcher doesn't have it, whatever. You know, the sort of I don't want to just call it bad luck because I think that's unfair. But the sort of you hit 105 mile an hour rockets that get caught. The other team hits 70 mile an hour bloops that fall in. you've been around this game a long time. How do you learn to not be so mad about those things?
2: You know, weirdly last night, like you, I think it's, you you go through nine innings of mounting frustration and, you know, frankly, it wasn't a particularly favorable strike zone. (laughs) There were a lot of things over the course of that game that were frustrating and, and we didn't pitch well, you know, we we created a lot of our own issues with, with freebies and, and allowing, you know, the, 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 Marlins to create traffic so that the softer contact did score runs, but, you know, to to have so many balls driven to the wall, frankly over the wall and brought back, and it, it's by the time it ended and the way the ninth inning transpired with you know what looked like vintage June 2022 Mariners ninth inning starting to to shape up with the chaos, I to to have the game end the way it did almost made me laugh going home like oh my god the absurdity of that game where it, it the the Sluggers slugging, you know, we are swinging at the right pitches. It was a very good offensive approach against a very good young pitcher and what has been a really good bullpen. I I really can't fault anything that our players did for losing that game yesterday. And that's reliance on process. I I appreciate the, the process that we applied and I wake up this morning thinking, wow, that, that's one of those, and there'll be a dozen of them over the course of a season where you're sitting there steaming as the game's going on. but There's really not a heck of a lot you can do about it
1: you know fair or unfair jerry i think one thing i've been fairly consistent doing this job is holding those with the i don't know i don't It's always money or contracts but just the, the talent the superstars to a different level you know with more it becomes more expectation and fair or unfair i kind of do that to some of the different players and i probably have my eye on julio and have had it on julio as much as anybody on this roster this season the last home stand absolutely caught fire to begin june uh, since has just cooled off a, a little bit. And it's been a little bit of peaks and valleys more so than maybe I anticipated this year. How do you characterize his season through 67 games?
2: Yeah, you know, just like that, you know, a little bit up, a little bit down, um, still magically. And I, I say this, he's still on pace for something in the neighborhood of a 30, 30 season is an above average offensive player. Who's played phenomenal defense from pole to pole <laughs> and he's 22 years old. It's, he's trying to figure it out. You know, there's so much that goes on with being a star in, in today's sports world. And, and so much of it exists away from the field. And, you know, to some extent, I think Julio is trying to balance that out, you know, trying to, trying to approach a league that now knows a little bit about more about him. I, I guess you'd say, you know, he's, he's trying to deal with what has been a pretty streaky season for him and, you know, not the best degree of batted ball luck. He continues to hit the ball hard, and you know Julio's issues from day one, and and really the only issue that he has had this season is about the pitches he chooses to swing swing at. It's it's not been as consistent a part you know of his game as it has been in in the past, and that goes back through his minor league days. (laughs) And I do think that it, we saw a 10-day stretch where it was fabulous and the results were phenomenal. You know, this, this past week, the rest of our offense is really clicking. And, you know, every other day or every third day, we see Julio rise up and, and we see what he's capable of. And and it'll become more consistent. I'm, I'm very confident in saying that. But it's, it has been a less consistent run. And I the thing I remember is, He's trying to adapt to a lot in his life, and and he is a 22 year old mm-hmm. with immense talent who's still having a pretty good year. What
0: are those challenges? I mean, what what is it that comes with being a star at this level, like Julio, that that does make the world more challenging?
2: Well, you know, I think the the first and foremost where this conversation began, you know, the the fact that Brock would cite you know Julio in that light, you know, there is an expectation of Julio as a star, and. And that's something that he's not dealt with before. Oh, he invites it, you know, he embraces it. He wants that to be the case. You know, we're we're three weeks or so out from the all-star game. I know there's a lot of pressure um, externally and, and that he puts on himself to be there. And part of that, whether it's, you know, part of that game hitting in a home run contest, it's the celebrity away from the field. You know, I, I don't think I'm, I'm you know, letting anybody in on trade secrets that over the course of the off season, Julio was very much a part of, of you know, Major League branding from you know, baseball cards to, uh, to trying to capture the imagination of a new generation with a very exciting young player who has an engaging personality. And, and as much as most of that comes naturally to Julio, which is why it, it jumps through your TV in the way that it does, that's a lot to manage. And, you know, there are people pulling it at, at different stages, whether it's, whether it's, you know, on the, the business side, whether it's on the marketing side, whether it's, whether it's just, it's managing celebrity. And, and, uh, you know, I don't know, I don't understand that, frankly, uh, you know, you'd, you'd have to go back to the Ken Griffey Jr. days to find, you know, someone in our neck of the woods, maybe Ichiro who's, who's dealt with that on a stage like Julio is dealing with it. And, and, uh, and I'm, I'm sure that he's going to adapt to it and, and learn how to balance that in his life, but it does. He wants to deliver every day. Last year he wanted to deliver every day for our team and our fans. You know, Now there are more elements, you know, being, or, or I guess spices in that stew. He wants to deliver for so many people and you can't really play that game. You know, it, it has to be about a small group. And, and, you know, I think once he gets back to, to playing his game and, and doing his thing consistently, it's it's just a maturation process. And, and there's so much to love about what he has and what he's done, even this year where it's been a little bit more up and down, but trying to understand what he's, what he's learning along the way. And, and we're all going to be better for it in the next year, two years, five years, because he is going to be one of the stars in this game and, and continue to be the, the focus. When, when people flipped on their TV, and, and he's learning how to deal with that.
1: I don't want to get you fined. So I'm not going to I'm not going to have you talk about the umpires, but I am curious <laughs> in a, in other sports when you have rough calls, the, the coaches, the organization writes to the league office and will get responses, you know, of, hey, yep, this was wrong. Yep, this was wrong. Yep, we should have done a better this. And sometimes, you know, they're so egregious that the league offices will make that public and put it out to in a press release to everybody to try to, to cover a little bit. Baseball's different. 162 games. These guys, there's now websites that you go to that show you their pitch accuracy, that show you their grade, that show you the run differential. Is there anything in, in your league that you guys write to to the league offices and say, Hey, you know what, we got five at bats last night that were just kind of diminished by balls well outside the zone, or does that just take care of itself through the process?
2: I mean, we can write that letter and there have been times in my baseball life you know, as in doing the jobs that we do now that we might or simply pick up the phone and, and call the people at MLB who are most closely associated with the on field group, you know, over, overseeing umpires, et cetera. I've made that call a, a number of times, including, you know, a number of times last year during the, the first early stages of, of the season when, when Julio was experiencing, you know, some, some unfortunate ball strike luck. But last night, again, I look at that game and it's, it, it was almost comically bad in, in every way that, that it could be. And, and I don't want to chalk it up to bad luck. I'm, I'm certain. I absolutely certain. And this is not critical in any way I, that the umpire last night probably went back to the clubhouse and he's thinking to himself, wow, I didn't have a good one night. and, and, I felt that as a pitcher. There are multiple of our players that feel that on any given night. And he's a human being. You know, he's going to have one where he just flubs. And and I'm pretty sure last night, there, when he goes back, he didn't think, "Boy, I nailed that one." So it's uh, it's it's 162 games. You're going to have days like that. It's part of the the nuance of baseball, and and you can't really focus on it. You know, it's done and it's past. It's a loss in the column, and and move on and focus on tomorrow's game.
1: Hmm. Who uh, is? Oh, go ahead. No, you get, bro. Who is Jose Caballero? We had this conversation yesterday, uh, put it out to the text. He's got an on base of nearly 400. He's got a war that's actually higher than Julio right now, sitting at 1.4. He's an absolute pest, a nuisance to the opponent. He's a breath of unbelievable, fresh, competitive air. Who is he from your perspective?
2: Uh, it's it, it is shaping up to be that he is a, an impact player on this roster without really having that big, gaudy tool. His his biggest tool is his on-field awareness, and you know, for for a young team that's trying to grow, and, and frankly, one of our less experienced players, and in, in, in Jose, there's his on-field awareness is just off the charts good, and. Now, having had a chance now to watch him play regularly, like we all have, it's uh, you know, we've seen him play before in three and four game pockets in the scouting world. You know, we've we've received feedback from minor league staffs who've who've had a chance, and, and he's always been very highly thought of in our system as a result of his you know, just baseball IQ. But it just jumps off the page. He's it's not gaudy power. He is a plus runner. He plays good defense. He scraps his way on base. You know, he's like a human magnet for getting hit by baseballs and it's uh it's it's amazing what he's been able to do and and in a lot of ways you know with with the way the season started for us and frankly the way the last couple of years have gone for us and trying to solve second base you know he has been you know a, a real breath of fresh air and you know, to do what he does and night after night, and I know Scott feels you know, so confident in playing him no matter who is pitching on the other side, he is going to find a way to make an impact on a game, whether big or small, and you know, to have that type of player, you know, the, the, that type of coach's awareness on the field is just extraordinary, and, I, and he has been awesome for us. And, and over the last month, maybe the most valuable second baseman in baseball, which is pretty stunning.
0: Yeah, I was saying he's only he, he seems to make everyone on the other team mad in a good way. Kind of a little rune Odor with the personality there. Uh you know,
2: actually O'Dor, and I I say this having watched O'Dor for so many years in, in Texas, especially during his time with the with the Rangers, you know, Ruben would get under your skin in a different way than Cabby gets under your skin. <laughs> you know, Cabby gets under your skin. Maybe it's just because you know, Cabby's playing for us and, and not on the <laughs> other team, but you
0: know.
2: It's a, there is, there is a, there is a savvy to his game. There is an edge. There is a, you know, I, I, I could use words that I won't use on public radio. You know, he's, he's got a way about him that just drives under the skin of an opponent and, and really creates, uh, I, I guess, an anxiety in the game. You know, it, it's, it's funny y- you look and when you look at, at walk rates, you know, if, if I'm going to use this as an example, you look at walk rates, and typically walk rates, high walk rates, are associated with hitters with with high end power. Hitters with power tend to walk more. Some of that is because they're looking for an isolated pitch in the strike zone to drive. Some of it is because pitchers are less likely to throw, you know, meat pitches to 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 that hitter to eat. And you know, Cabbie winds up in a lot of situations <laughs> and to J.P. Crawford very similarly, where they're in very favorable counts simply because they drive the other pitcher crazy with their lack of willingness to play their game and i think cabby does it with a combination of good strike zone judgment and almost like a physical annoyance the way he moves the way he manages that that pitch clock the you know the, the looks on his face the wry look at the umpire you don't usually see that from a 26 year old with a couple of months of experience it's it's a veteran savvy it's i love it it's awesome
0: that's pretty funny hey um what's the plan here for some of these rookie pitchers i mean you got uh Bryce Miller, who's starting to throw more innings, and I know you backed him off a little bit to to give him an extra day of rest. I know woo's had uh you know he may be in an innings limit et cetera, and even your you know the effect from there on Logan and Kirby just having so many young guys in the rotation what does that look like from your perspective
2: yeah you know, with George and Logan we're not particularly concerned. You know, they are built out and ready to, to throw their starts. And like George, the last one, it could be a dominant one. And, and like Logan and his last turn, they're going to struggle on occasion. Uh, that's just the nature of the game. You know, when you start 32 games, they're not all going to be beautiful. But uh, they're they're awesome. They've been consistent starters for us for most of the last two or in Logan's case, three seasons. We feel like they're ready to carry the full load. We'll be a little bit more uh, reserved with Bryce. We feel like he's built out. Uh, he did throw a full slate of innings last year in the minor leagues, but this will be his first chance at pitching. You know, for the full major league schedule, where we do play. You know, the extra month, and there is an expectation of starting in a lot of cases, like he experienced already, on the fifth day of rest, which is the newest thing for all these kids. You know, one of the, the nuances and the change in the minor league schedule, where we now play weekly series we, we play a week-long series against an opponent and Monday is a standard off day around the minor leagues I think it's wonderful for quality of life uh, it's probably not ideal in developing pitchers to throw on five days rest uh, there's it's just a little bit wonky and you know that's one thing we're trying to remain aware of with Bryce uh, and with Brian Wu you're an entirely different category you know Wu has not develop the kind of innings totals or or consistency with taking the ball over long season starts he has had you know arm issues in in his past so we're going to be very cautious in, in how we manage that over time and for the time being because it's still relatively early in the season we're going to let you know his his physical i guess crispness tell us which way to go next but uh, we will be more, uh, I guess, antenna up on what's happening with Wu and, and any fatigue levels we see, and we will be more inclined to skip starts, you know, move him around in a rotation to try to manage innings because we we don't want to pile it
1: up. Munoz has looked phenomenal. Dylan Moore has been able to get his, uh, his feet underneath him. Any timetable? I think you said to us last week it might be about a month for Marco before we could see him back out there. Has there been any setback? Is he going to start to begin uh, some throwing where are we had in the Marco getting back into the rotation fold?
2: No, no setback. You know, as, as far as I understand, he's uh, he's set to start uh, his his throwing program uh, sometime next week if all goes well. And we have no real timeline on his return. I would still anticipate, as I said, you know, with that month, it's going to be at least a month. You know, there's a, there was at least a month and two weeks down. He's not going to throw. And then we have to go through a progression to get him back to a mound so you know that was the minimum requirement and and on the maximum we're going to let his body tell us and and when he gets out and starts playing catch uh, off a mound like i said hopefully sometime in the next week uh, we'll, we'll have a better idea what that looks like um but beyond that we don't really have an expectation of, of when he might be back
1: and have we found a dh if we, if, you know, the, I think Mike Ford now eighth time, uh, the, the charm here uh, <laughs> with the different teams that he's been around. And it certainly hit some big home runs here over the last couple of weeks. Have we found uh, some power at the DH? Yeah,
2: you know, th- there's, I think this is Mike Ford's eighth time with the Mariners. <laughs> 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 but, uh, you know, Fordo, I, th- I I heard someone downstairs in the clubhouse uh, draft this. I think it was yesterday at the, uh, there, there's, hey, we're all good. We've got George Herman Ford. Uh, And I think, uh, you know, Mike is – he's an interesting guy. He has been, you know, from – really from the time he signed with the Yankees as a non-drafted free agent – he has been an awesome minor league offensive player. Is it a combination of swing decisions on base, power at the minor league levels, and and uh, it's what drove us to picking him in the Rule Five draft back when we did. Uh, it is what has attracted us to to bringing him back to the organization so many times, and and he has had pockets like we're seeing right now. You know, a couple of years ago with the Yankees when when they were you know really set back by injury. He got an opportunity to play and, and he got meaningful playing time and he delivered meaningful results. And, and I think if, if being honest, this is the first time in, in, in his run as a mariner that he's gotten meaningful or consistent playing time instead of just being occasionally dropped in as a DH or a pinch hitter. So hopefully we're seeing Mike Ford, you know, adjust to the major leagues the way he's always hit in the minor leagues because this is one of the most selective, you know, calm, powerful minor league hitters that, that has played in the last you know, decade, really. And, and I'd love to see some of it translate like it's translated this week, and, and it would be a huge boost for us if he continues to do the things he's doing right now, clearly.
0: Jerry, good stuff as always. Thank you uh, for doing it. Hopefully, this team can win on a Wednesday next week so that we uh, have a different conversation on a Thursday. I don't know why it seems to go this way constantly, but uh, a much better week approach-wise. Thanks for all of the info, and uh, we'll talk next week. All right, guys. There you go. Uh, There's Jerry Depoto. Brock, obviously, want to come back to some of that. Plus, I have something in my possession. I just got this while Jerry was talking. When I read this to you, you're going to fall over. You're not gonna believe it. I you will i am gonna give you a few numbers and I swear to you, you you legitimately won't believe what I'm gonna read you. It's next on Brock and Salk.